When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, 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 it's Faye OJ. Welcome to The Motion Champions, an extra special season of The Motion, a debate podcast where two guests with conflicting opinions engage in an intellectual and fierce tug of war to sway my vote to their side of the motion. Win the motion once, fair enough. But win the motion twice against a fellow winner of the motion. Now that is a champion. So join us as we determine who the true champions are and to have your emotions set in motion in a way they never have been before. Hi guys, it is Nicola, uh, not quite Faye OJ. I can't lie, I've been saying that all day. Like, hey, 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 not quite Faye OJ. I absolutely <laughs> love, love it. Love I'm honestly that. so, so excited to be hosting this episode of The Motion, the best Political position is that of indifference. I'm a half of the 20 Squared podcast where we kind of talk about meaningful discussions about existing as 20-something-year-olds in the 2020s. And we cannot deny the impact or influence that politics has on our kind of day-to-day lives. So I'm really excited to be joined by Hannah, who I have, you know, been in battle with before and lost, yes. And uh, Ife, who is the host of The Motion. We're not going to go into how I lost against Ife either, but... um. <laughs> As an icebreaker, I don't know if you guys watch Love is Blind. I do. So my question is, which of the men do you think you would have said yes to? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Absolute silence. Do you know what is amazing about this question is that it's the same answer to my debate. (laughs) We're often choosing out of a pool of not what we really want to be choosing out of. Jarrett is really like... Yeah. Like Faye said, best out of a bad bunch. Do do I trust him? Absolutely not. (laughs) Do I think he has my best interests at heart? (laughs) Absolutely not. But do I want to be married to Shake? (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) Let's get to the main debates. I'm curious to hear where you both stand on this. If if you don't mind seeing your position. my research similar themes kept cropping up people who are politically indifferent they're selfish they're privileged you know it's the same kind of rhetoric we see when encouraging people to vote this is your country etc etc but what i saw less of is the acknowledgement that the political system has let down a lot of people i just think it's a really divisive system and we're told only as much as they feel we need to know we're told who are the good guys and who are the bad guys and it's implied that our vote has power And that is a power I have yet to see since I voted in the Brexit vote when I was 18. The power of democracy comes with trust. And in today's political system, there is no trust. It's not about being selfish or about being necessarily privileged. It's about the idea of letting yourself down in the only time that you do have a a voice. The more that we kind of lean into indifference, the more we give power to the other side, we give them more ammunition, the more indifferent we are, especially as um, women, especially as our generation, and especially as people of color. I think even more so, we have to just remember, not from a from a way to kind of scold, but people did die for our right to vote, even when we still technically have the right to vote. In some places, voter suppression is so real 
So I think the people that have that option to be in it, I just think it's for us like to not let ourselves down, not let our, the communities that we're part of down and try and enact change in, in, in whichever way that we can. All right, all right, all right. I guess I'll start with you, FS. What would be the reality if we, if none of us voted, if none of us chose to take a stand? What, what would that world look like? That world would look like a stand being taken. That world would look like people saying, we've had enough. Because we see cycles so much in politics, repetition of the same ideas, the same events, because we're told that the, the most important way that you can be politically active is, is to vote. So we're constantly just voting between the lesser of two evils all the time, all the time. How on earth is anything going to change? Just to touch on the whole, you know, people died for women to be able to vote. I think they died for them to be able to have the choice to vote. And that whole choice thing, it's just a bit of a mess right now. We have choice, but we're not really choosing between, like, what we want. But do you not think that in not voting at all, in not taking a stand at all, we're actually damaging the system even more? I completely appreciate what you're saying because it's exhausting. I went to go vote against Brexit. That didn't go in my favour. And I was also there with Corbyn. How can we expect anyone to react to anything we want if we don't even show them what it is that we want. Obviously, you mentioned the two situations of where you voted and you didn't get the result that you wanted. And realistically, with a vote, that's always going to happen. That's not quite my issue, you know. I've, every time I voted, I haven't won, so, you know, <laughs> I'm never <laughs> going to vote again. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> At the end of the day, there are a lot of people that fall in the middle. And I think we saw that so much back in the day, like when I speak to uh, my parents and my parents' friends, they would vote for one party one day, vote for another party one day, because policies was really the main thing. But I think... In today's world, like, it's literally just the people. It's, it's a game. It's actually a game. I'm trivialising it because it's become so trivial. Boris, even his party are telling him to resign. He's still there. And to me, that just shows, like, how much little power that we really have. I just don't see where we would ever gain it in the systems that are ruling currently. I'm not saying to be apathetic because this actually comes from a point of caring so much for the people that are trying to engage and they just get left behind constantly. Their policies aren't for them in, in any party. Forgive me for probably taking you out of context in this as well. How do you justify saying it's just a game to people whose lives have been completely uprooted and destroyed because of indifference? How do you tell them that this is just a game? Who? People who have literally, like, their lives have changed. Because I feel like in the West, it's very easy for us to take mm. that position. But other places out there in the world... I'm Nigerian. Even if I go over to that context, do you really think, like, the average person in a rural part of Nigeria, say, northern Nigeria, has any indication or any sort of say of what's happening in government? These people are left out not because of a difference it's because of difference it's because of the people at the top and they are playing the games so it's not if a German or Fairjay you should be coming for us look at Ukraine I don't want to talk too much about it because obviously it's like topical and it's very sad but you have FIFA taking the Russian teams off the PlayStation. So some little Russian 10-year-old boy who has no idea what's happening can't play FIFA with his favourite team because that's what they've decided. So that's the role they've played in the game. And then Sainsbury's with Chicken Kiev. That's the role they're playing in the game. This is real stuff. And it's the people at the bottom that 
feel that feel it. Hannah, you talked about in your opening statement about like the kind of morals of voting. Personally, I believe that like, in recent history, there's been a bit of a shift in politics in general. The focus seems to kind of be on, you know, cult of personality or like really fun things to say. 350 million to the NHS. My question is, how can we take these people seriously? The votes, they seem as though they're for a single purpose. You kind of get these guys in power. Then what? Are politicians just salespeople? You know, we're impulsive. We kind of buy into it. What happens when you go home and realize, you know what, what I've just bought is kind of like not what I thought it was. Politics is a dirty game. And I think politicians, they're human beings, right? And they're like subject to folly and subject to greed. All of this isn't saying that they, they're perfect people at all. I think the main thing is like after that big vote and after the sort of sales pitch basically is really trying to like hold people to account throughout the time that they're they're in power in reality like I, it's probably a lot harder for me to impact what's on boris johnson's agenda but it's probably a lot easier for me to impact what's on my M my local mp's agenda how often do we engage on that level because those are the mps that they impact what's on boris johnson's agenda of course for us a lot of the times we do the big vote right and then the rest of it is just like consuming content from the news and then we feel really powerless because how are you going to reply to BBC? There's actually nothing you do there. You watch something, it's one-sided, it's one way. But actually there are multiple two-way streams of conversations that can impact that. We just need to engage in them a little bit more, especially for our generation, because I think the generations above us, they do do that, right? 50 plus voters or 60 plus voters. That's why lots of the stuff that the stuff of importance to them is actually on agendas. Whereas for us, when Nick Clegg just like came in and did zoom, zoom, zam to everyone's university fees, did anything even happen after that, you know? Do you not think that it's the reason why maybe they're so vocal is because they're probably more likely to have similar agendas to people who are in politics. When the conflict in Ukraine kind of started, I think the Young Labour Party, like on Twitter, for example, made a stand. They were scorned for that. We should be vocal and we should say what we're thinking, but how can we do that when everyone that is pretty much above us and they're not thinking about us they're not thinking about what our realities are going to be like in 10 years time that's exactly the point why we do need to lean in more because we are not on anyone's agenda because we don't make our agenda known in any sort of formal way i work in social media i'm not going to try and downplay it and say that's not an important avenue can we like go on twitter and do a whole sort of 20 part twitter thread yes we can do that but then we should also be backing that up in the more formal flows of showing up politically as well. And I think to say that stuff that's on our agenda is never sort of taken into account, it's, it's probably false. Like, for example, like climate change is like, that's us. Like, we did that. How, how old is Greta Thunberg? She's a wee child. She was in high school traveling around the world. I don't think we're completely outnumbered that our voting would have no impact. It's just that our turnout isn't that high all the time. And I get that the times that it is, it then sometimes feels like, oh, well, all of that for nothing. That definitely sucks. But then for me, it's again, how do we expect to ever be on those agendas if we don't show up again and again and again? I'm actually really glad that you brought up the whole thing about social media because I, I actually don't think we can stray away from that because I think so many, especially people of our generation, that is that is our source. Let's kind of almost take a step back before before the voting and before kind of saying this is what I believe in. Can we even trust what we believe or stand for? I mean, the social dilemma, Cambridge Analytica, all of that, we've seen that. Can we really trust what, what we think we believe in? And, and if we can't even trust that, how can we make votes? How can we de decide on things? I love to think of myself as outside of who can be influenced by stuff like that. But the scariest thing is like that that's not true. None of us can escape that. We're all being 
sort of mentally manipulated in different ways and that's absolutely terrifying. My mom's generation, she, she also graduated from university. She's a very smart woman, but she'll see something online and she'll take that as gold and it'll come from www.gettheimmigrantsoutthecountrytoday.com and she won't even think to herself, oh, maybe this website has an agenda to, to get immigrants out the country. For me, it's all about like interrogating your source of news, asking questions like, does that sound right? Does that look right? Can we trust what we're seeing? To some degree, no, we can't. But I think it's just about how we're engaging with, with certain facts that we're seeing. And the core sources for most political decisions should be the policies, the manifestos, those can't get respun. In a kind of similar branch effort, you talked a lot about the kind of feeling of overwhelmingness. Do you not think that the reason why it's like that is because of how much we can see? We are fed news 24-7, it's not going to be good news. Do you think that if we kind of separated the noise, we'd feel much stronger about taking a stand or taking a, a position? Even if you look at the unfolding of the Matt Hancock thing, or for example, all these parties, all these parties, two weeks, three weeks, news cycles talking about parties, right, that happened a year ago. It's already late by the time that we find out. To actually know something, to actually know, like, details, it's very hard, and it's, I think it's hard on purpose. I don't think they want us to know because knowledge is power. Yeah, you can, like, I guess, inform yourself through, like, reading manifestos and like yes you can engage in your local politics absolutely but I feel like the real information what we need to know I think the most important stuff is hidden from us and I saw a quote if voting changed anything they'd make it illegal if I truly believe that people in power wanted us to be empowered if there was clear transparency and they really wanted to democratize knowledge and democratize all these decisions then of course I, this debate wouldn't happen but i'm just looking at the reality which is what i think that we have to do the reality of the people ruling this world it really scares me to be honest all i can do right now is look at god take control take the will because i'm genuinely terrified of the authorities placed on this earth we've kind of on, on your side of things, I guess, spoken on a, on a very macro level of, of voting. But I guess, would your position be the same in, in taking a stance for something smaller? Like there was sexism in an area and, and, you know, you could have addressed it and you could have taken a stand. Would you also say that you wouldn't in that situation? For me, it's like... I cared. I'm not saying don't care about anything. I think you can kind of tell that my debate comes more from like an emotional point of view that there's not actually enough care. I don't think that my response to say sexism and all of that stuff, I don't think it will be through politics and through policies. For me, like the answer is definitely love and community. Maybe like setting up a charity or an organization or like a safe place for people to come to. I don't think that's what politics is about. Interesting. Hannah, I think there's like a difference between nihilism which I think you know people can definitely misunderstand not taking a stand for and just kind of abstaining or being indifferent because it's quite literally for, for your own health as a philosopher we're kind of encouraged to think about what we can control and 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 if we can't control it it's be, it's beyond us how can we feel like we're doing anything when it doesn't seem like we're doing anything at all how can you encourage people to to kind of take a stand or, or, or put their place forward when the results are not really showing i agree that we deserve rest as well but at the end of the day i think it is about tapping into a resilience our feelings are valid as well but if the generations before us their reaction was to 
to just seek rest, the progress we would have would have been on a much slower pace. But for me, when it comes back to the idea of like the only thing that you can impact, like the only thing that you can change, you can control what council meetings you show up at. You can control what's going on in your school districts. Those are the topics. The ones that do have the most impact, I think, are the ones that you t often tend to have more control over. And at the end of the day, this is such a non-argument, but I'm just going to say it anyways. <laughs> We're going to vote, right? My polling station is probably minutes walk from my flat. It might be raining. That'll probably be the most obstacle that I'll have to endure to get there. Like I'm, I'm not walking through fire or walking on coals to go vote. Is it emotionally tolling? Yes. It's not enough to, to abstain from it. I think I am going to move you two on because I do quite want you to go at each other in a very respectful and, you know, politically correct way. So, um, Ife, have you got any questions? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know if you're aware of a guy called Cotton Kill. American libertarian philosopher. Can you imagine slaves on a plantation sitting around voting for masters and spending their energy on campaigning and candidates when they could be heading for the Underground Railway. We spoke about all the people that have made changes in the past, and I just feel like it's rarely done through the political system in place. When Harriet Tubman was doing all that stuff, that had nothing to do with a vote. Even what you said about how easy it is to vote, I feel like it's almost too easy. Like, you can vote and still very much be politically indifferent. The last election, I think I wanted to vote for the Green Party, and I saw on my ballot that they just it wasn't an option in my local constituency. So I was there really making my mind up in the thing. I voted, but did I care about the outcome of my vote? No. So that's like... You should have checked beforehand, but... Yeah, I mean, whatever. But... <laughs> Don't try and blame that on the whole political system. <laughs> I could have checked beforehand, but my point is that you can still very much vote and be politically indifferent because of what you said. It's, it's easy. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. What is currently in place? I want to really focus on that. So it's not the ideals and it's not what people were fighting for because they were really fighting for the ideals. I'm sure the suffragettes would be crying right now that they fought for women to vote and the gender pay gap is still crazy. And that's just the gender pay gap, which kind of affects the like, most privileged women in society. I'd say there's so many other areas where women are left out. I agree with what you're saying in that there's times where we're so lucky that we're not, well, we might be soon, but we're, we're not living at the current moment in active wartime. Is wartime the time to focus on voting as your root of like political engagement? No, of course not. You have to do what you have to do at that certain moment in time. You said, should they focus on choosing a master or should they go to the Underground Railroad? What does taking a stand look like? Because unless you're finding an underground railroad for us, because what I heard you say at the beginning of your argument was they would finally know if we all didn't vote. Are we not relying on the same politicians that we're saying won't do anything when we vote? So now you think they'll now they'll make a change when you don't vote. Make that make sense to me because that doesn't make any sense. By the way, you guys asked me what would happen if no one turned up to vote. That's not my solution. At the end of the day, we haven't seen an election where no one's voted. I don't think that if there was an election where every single person scratched their ballot, that we would not wake up and be like, whoa, what do we do here? We need to wake 
up because people are, are sleeping and thinking that they're empowered through this vote. I think you said something about if voting changed anything, it would be illegal. And I actually really like, <laughs> like that phrase. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, being a democracy is not the only political sort of structure that you could have. There could be another war and they could try and um, have a dictator in the UK. Would that be any better than having the right to vote for who's in power at different times? I don't think so personally, no. The idea that voting doesn't matter at all, take the Trump elections. And you see a group of people who were, like you were talking about earlier, Ife, that they were ousted outside of the sort of political structures. And I'm talking about blue collar workers. I'm talking about factory workers. I'm talking about very much lower middle America. When we think about people who are being kept out of politics, we don't necessarily think about them, but they were being kept out of politics. But then what happened when they showed up to vote? The Republican Party's probably changed forever because of them. Those voters shouldn't be a part of, like historically shouldn't be a part of the Republican Party, but now they are. And now they set agendas. Showing up and showing up in like, mass i think that's when you actually make big change and yes i get that oftentimes we are choosing between the lesser of two evils but i think that's sometimes how life works right whether that's in politics whether that's in in work whether that's in your interpersonal relationships with people like you have to work with what you have and then you have to make incremental changes and it's not going to be one big fail swoop where we suddenly uproot society and the way we run and make this huge change you raise some Excellent points, to be honest. But I think I wanted to ask you, like, what, in your opinion, is, like, the ideal of politics, of being politically different? Obviously, like, the world is, is never going to be ideal. That's a bit of an obvious statement. But I think if I just want to, like, repeat the, the main foundation of, of my argument is because there is a world right now that there is not a lot of trust. I'm just going <laughs> to quote Harvey Dent from Batman, which I just watched before this. He said, the only morality in a cruel world is chance. That's a great question. And one of the main things to me is that we have to remember, we are always going to be fighting, right? They, they say that we're living in unprecedented times now. It's never not been unprecedented times. We're never going to finish. So, so if that's where the indifference is coming from, then I think that's what we need to sort of identify first is that there's no end goal in politics. We're not gonna suddenly finish and be at a utopia because I don't think as human beings, that's a capable thing. We are always gonna be iterating. So I think it's important to find a way in that world how you can still protect your peace, how you can still protect your mental health and not get so exhausted by everything that's happening because things are always going to be happening. It's about choosing specific ideas that you as a person care about. If you can identify them and pursue those ones, then you'll be able to track when you've made an impact or track when, when things are going in the right way for you. But if you're always trying to track what every single social issue of every single agenda is, then you're always going to feel overwhelmed and pulled in different directions. Believe it or not, our ideals are not that different. But the thing about ideals and how ideals become reality is the change that happens in reality. When the environment around you changes, if you are really engaged, then it's not just going to be like what you said, the 64-year-old voting Tory and Tory and Tory, or like a young person, for example, voting Labour, 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 because if everyone was politically engaged, close to the ideal, right, then I feel like your vote would be more aligned to the kind of like what's going on in the world. If more people are engaged, then there will be more people having an effect on the surroundings. I don't think that's true. Maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe I don't think it's true of me. I know on a general level where my morality stands politically. 
And for me, that would almost always fall into a left party. It might not always be labor, I'll, I'll agree with you there. But like for me, it's always been labor because I think it's important to also think strategically like a politician when you're engaging in politics. And for me, it's always like a numbers game, which is why I personally vote labor every time, but I don't think that's necessarily the only way you can do it. And I love that people do support um, the Green Party. I know the um, WEP party for women as well. And I think they're really good for changing agendas and creating narratives and stuff like that. But I think for me, I know overall what the Labour Party stands for. Would it make sense for, for me to each time be changing this way, that way? It's easier for you to hold a party accountable when they consider you a part of the fabric of that party. But I think for us, it's like, we're not really a part of the fabric for a lot of parties, but then we still like want to be treated in the same way. I have a question that's maybe for both of you is we've got issues like climate change, the amount of wars or the amount of bad things that are happening throughout the world. And this question is for both of you in different ways, but like, if a, how do we make these changes and, and, and address these changes without taking a stand? And Hannah, how do we make thing, these things a priority when politicians seem to be fulfilling their own agendas? The whole take a stand thing. <laughs> you saying it there, I really envision someone taking a stand. And the more I envision someone taking a stand is the more I realise that. What stand are you taking? <laughs> like, what stand are you actually taking? You're not taking a stand. You've got a bunch of people sitting down or like edging up, like a little bit. Like that's, that's the reality. It's really interesting that you spoke about, because a lot of your argument, Hannah, has been how like on a lower level that, you know, the agendas and stuff like that. And then you said, oh, like the Green Party. And the WEP party, like, they're the ones doing that. But, like, you also have to be strategic, right? And the numbers game. So you realistically wouldn't vote for them. But that's what I'm saying. And I think you find it with everything. When you go away from the people actually leading, you find that that's where the care happens. You've acknowledged that those are the people who sometimes are making more local change, but you still wouldn't vote for them because of how things are right now. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing though. Like, it's like at the moment, that's just like the flow of how politics works. I think you saw that with UKIP. So UKIP was a fringe party. UKIP was the reason why Brexit was brought to being a two party a thing, right? Because sometimes they are single issue parties. And this is all about how I view my politics. So I'm not saying that there's one way to do it or not. I, I, I agree that there's people who should vote for Green and people who should vote for WEP, but Green's single issue was mainly the climate. There's a whole lot of things that exist in politics outside of that. But I think in terms of efficiency wise, it's, it's good to have what like one party that can delve deep on that. Because in reality, like can Labour or um, Conservative like really do all the, the research, get into the intricacies of climate and of all the 20 million other things that, that they need to, to do, right? But they're able to present like a case to them the same way UKIP did with Brexit. So um, I actually wanted to present both of you like a quote because I feel like it will really help my position. I'm going to go with Hannah first. This is by Marx. Politics is the art of looking for trouble, finding it everywhere, diagnosing it incorrectly and applying the wrong remedies. I think so much of that probably speaks to what Faye was saying as well. It's correct that we're, we're looking for trouble and we're finding it everywhere. My point is that your reaction to getting it wrong can't just be to give up. I think if you had a child and they came to you with a conundrum that they had and they were like, oh, I failed. I didn't get it right this time. Your answer wouldn't be for them to, to give up, right? Your answer wouldn't be, oh, well, just sit in the trouble and do nothing. 
your answer would be to, it sounds so cheesy, but like to pick yourself up and try again, try again. It wasn't that sad, Destiny Child. It was a Leo. Anyway. Oh my gosh, please correct that. Dust yourself off, I think. She didn't even get the words right. I was going to leave it. Wow. Okay. But that's how life works, right? You have to keep going. And that's why I keep talking about this idea of resilience. And also of not viewing every time that you misdiagnose using the metaphor from the quote as a failure in and of itself, because there's so many things that you learn from different iterations of like trying for a specific problem, right? If I keep mentioning that the world isn't black and white, and it's also not like failure or winning, even when it comes to elections, even though it seems like it, it's either you win or you lose, it's often not either you win or you lose. Because oftentimes when, when there is like a big turnout in one way, it still impacts like the conversation and the narrative and, and the things that we're t discussing in the next sort of cycle of, of elections. If I've seen you jotting, so I'm gonna actually get you to respond before I, I give you yours. I just wanted to kind of apply that quote to the debate we're having. And I believe that sitting in the trouble, like what Hannah mentioned is like the alternative is what we're doing by continuing to engage in a system that fails so many people and accepting what we're told, the power of the vote. And I think this is a bit controversial, but I, I just want to say I've had two vaccines and a booster. And that basically makes me like a, a model citizen, right? But at the end of the time, I've also had COVID twice. So it's just like, you know, we say all these things that they tell us to do. We're still getting the disease, not asking questions and just kind of accepting. That is basically what I'm not advocating for. You can ask questions whilst politically engaging, you know? You can you can still be critical and you can still be demanding a robust sort of system around you whilst engaging. And in fact, that's the best way to politically engage as well. That absolutely is the best part, but how far can you trust the answers to those questions? Oftentimes you can't trust them the same way you can't trust... You can't trust your man either, <laughs> but like, are you not gonna fall in love? <laughs> my, my quote. Yeah, sorry. It's actually one of my favourite quotes of all time, and I am, I am going to butcher it a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> Neutrality and indifference helps the oppressor, never the victim. Sometimes we must interfere. When human lives are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, sensitivities become irrelevant. I actually do agree with that quote, but I think that behind every quote is intention. The reason why this debate has been able to go on for so long is because my intention is about care. Hannah said, it's about choosing what you care about. I care about people. And I feel like the best way to relate to people is through love. And it sounds so flowery, but it's not. I think in constantly asking what the most loving thing that you can do in every situation that you find yourself, I believe that the change that you will see around you will be mad. And so I ask that on a macro level. What is the most loving thing to do? And can I say that that is the intention of the people that seem to be making the most decisions? I cannot say that. And so when it says, you know, to not engage and to not interfere and to not all of that, I'm very much talking about this, you know, current system. I just basically hate that it seems like that's the only way to care, to like engage in that way, because it's, it's often said and I think it's not. And I feel like the questions I'm talking about asking is why do we see these same things happening again and again and again? And why are we just doing the same things again and again and again? And I think when you really just ask those questions, that's when the underground railroad happens.
This has actually been really hard and I've actually really loved this and I'm really excited to hear your closing statements. One thing I liked about what you just said, the best way to relate with people is through love. And and I agree with that as well. And that's something I hold close to my heart. And I think for me, the most loving thing that you can do is to show up. Of course, there's multiple ways to show up other than just voting. But I think showing up in elections is definitely one way. What Showing up in local elections is another way. Showing up as an ally, showing up to protest, showing up to volunteer, showing up with donations, showing up with your time. I think the best way to show up and the best way to show care and to show love is oftentimes through action and not through inaction. The powers that be, they would love it if we didn't show up. They would love for us to, to spend more time talking about if we should engage than actually holding them to any sort of account. I think the sad reality is that we, we exist within this construct, right? And I think oftentimes it might seem like the best way to make change is to like just overturn the whole system at once. That's usually not how the biggest changes are made, even though it doesn't seem like that. I think the biggest changes are made are made through like testing and iterating and then scaling with those and moving with those. And I think oftentimes you do just have to work with optimizing. Hannah, that was really convincing. You almost convinced me actually. Until I realised that all the things that I agreed with what you said about being an ally, volunteering, donations, to me that's action more on my side. If we look at the title of the debate, right, the best political position is that of indifference. That means when you're asking me, oh, Eva, what, what party do you support? My answer may not be the same every time. And I look at the role that I play on, on the motion and it's often so close to the middle because that is where I'm actually able to think about what I care most about in this moment. I'm able to hear knowledge from both sides and make a decision about like what I care about. And I find that actually very hard to do in politics currently as it stands. What you said about you know the people at the top maybe not wanting us to show up, it just reminded me of the quote I said where if voting made a difference, it would be illegal. And you spoke about optimizing. And I loved what you said. It was very tech, by the way. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing right now about the current political climate that is optimal. So the reason why I've, I've gone to this side is because I feel like there are elements to the discussion that I probably hadn't really considered beforehand and, and things that I... I was so sure about in terms of where I personally stood with it that I, I actually didn't even give room to have space for for that, you know, added caveat and stuff like that. And so personally, I'm, I'm going to announce the, you know, champion of the motion champions. Is Hannah. Uh, so congratulations. I actually didn't think I was going to win. I was wow. so on the side of 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 indifference because I have gotten to that point like I think if you articulated it so well like the point I've gotten to is, is that point where it's like bro what the hell am I supposed to do now like I've tried I, I've done it <laughs> I've gone out there I've done my part but I think you know Hannah in your conversation about the the small changes I don't talk to my MP I don't I don't go and ask her like what the hell is going on I don't I don't make those kind of micro changes that could 
you know, maybe not, you know, change the world, but could very much change the reality for someone in X place. And I think adding that into the discussion for me changed everything. So, so congratulations. That was really good. <laughs> but you were both so good. The conversation does not stop here. Follow us on Instagram at TheMotion underscore. Tweet us your thoughts at TheMotionPod underscore. Send us an email, TheMotionPodcast at gmail.com. And listen to our radio show every Sunday live on Wizard Radio from 5pm. Be blessed, stay safe and have a wonderful week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.